as a result of COVID, we decided maybe we should try and do something online since we couldn't do anything in our communities anymore. And so in a matter of less than 10 days, probably Joe, you mastered Zoom and we put some promo material together. So we stepped into this space with Seriously Let's Talk. And so it only makes sense that Dishing with the Doula's podcast is really Seriously Let's Talk. And so we did that. And that developed into community that we now call Death Doula Network International with over 200 plus members in various countries of all over the world, building community connection and education and learning with anyone who's in this death caring space, whether you're an end-of-life professional, whether you're a family caregiver, or whether you simply want to learn more about how to do this better for yourself and the people that you care about. That's why we're here. Welcome to the first episode of the Dishing Doulas podcast. I'm Karen Hendrickson, and I'm here with my co-host, Joanne Horn. We are co-founders of the Death Doula Network International, and we know the importance of conversations. We know the importance of sharing information around death, dying, and end-of-life planning. And we're here to give that to you. We will have a variety of guests and speakers and stories to be shared over our podcast series. And we hope you'll come along for the ride. Joanne, maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you ended up here. Well, in 2017, I decided that it was time for a career change. I had been in the insurance industry for almost 40 years, and hit the wall. So I did a, a telephone interview, if you will, with a, a psychic. And as we're discussing the, the skill set required for my job as in the insurance business, she all of a sudden said to me, I want you to write this down, death doula. And so I said, so what is that? She goes, Google it. And so we continued on with the with the session. And after I got off the phone, I looked it up a little bit and I sent the term to my good friend, Karen Hendrickson here and said, check this out. Look what this lady said to me. And so Karen started doing some research and I also sent it down to my friend, Jan, who um, was in Arizona uh, for the winter time. And between the two of them, they started sending me information and articles about what death doulas were. In January of 2018, my friend Jan got diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. And she had been in Arizona with her husband and left him there because she wanted to come back to Canada to get tested by Canadian doctors, make sure that the diagnosis was correct. Anyway, she came up from Arizona to back home to BC here. I was able to be with her and help her navigate through the journey of stage four pancreatic cancer, along with another very good friend of ours. So as Jan's going through her medical journey, Karen's still sending me some information on death doulas. And there was a course that was offered out of Vancouver, and it just happened to be coming to my hometown of Kelowna. So I signed up for that course, didn't start until March of 2018. In the meantime, I was able to be with our friend Jan through doctor's appointments and visits at the hospital and what have you. And the reality is she had stage four pancreatic cancer. The doctors tried to convince her to do chemo and radiation. And I love that I happened to be there when she talked to the oncologist because you know she looked at the doc and she just said, what's that going to get me? And the doctor said, well, maybe two or three months. 
And Jan said, at what cost? Well, you're going to lose your hair. You're going to be sick. You're going to be tired. And Jan looked at the doc and said, no, I'm not doing it. I want quality of life over the quantity that you're offering me. And the doctor, bless his heart, tried to, a couple of times, tried to talk her into doing the chemo. She didn't do any treatment like that, but she did want to go home to die. She didn't want to do it in the hospital. So this is 2018, and the doctor came in. And so I asked him if we could get some medication, pain meds, so Jan could go home. The doctor looked at us, 2018, and said, because of the opioid crisis, we're not allowed to do that. So Jan said to him, you you realize I'm dying, right? I'm not going to become addicted. And if I do, I'm going to be dead anyways. She was pretty blunt with him. The discussion that followed was a little bit heated. And the doctor went away and he came back a couple hours later and he, he said to us, I had to lie a little bit, but I was able to get you the medication to go home with. So Jan was able to go home. I was able to walk that journey with her. I became kind of the gopher of the family when anything needed to be picked up, gotten, arranged, whatever. I was there to help as much as I could. And I realized that there was a real need for death doulas, that there was a gap in the system that the doctors didn't have a chance to fill. The social workers sure didn't have the time to help us in the way that we needed. And there were a lot of arrangements that really needed to be taken care of that nobody gave a lot of thought to. Fortunately, Jan and her husband had all their uh, funeral arrangements prepaid right down to what food they were going to have at the reception. So that made that part a lot easier. And then I took the training course in March of 2018, and that went from Monday to Thursday. And just The day following that course, Jan died by medical assistance in dying. So it all was very coincidental, I guess. We had only just learned about medical assistance in dying through our training there, and it just popped up. The sad part is that the medical people here in BC, at least in Kelowna anyways, say that they're not allowed to offer that as a resource or a treatment to anybody unless they're asked about it. And we happened to find out about it purely by accident. I was taking the training and maid came up and our friend happened to have tea with a doctor friend of hers. And the doctor off the record said, are you aware of me? So we stumbled onto it. Otherwise, Jan would have had to deal with the pain of the pancreatic cancer until her natural death. So that's how I fell into the doula world. And so... Actually, your very first doula assignment was Jan. Yeah, I kept saying she's my guinea pig. (laughs) And, you know, when I was going to the classes, she said to me, every night I want you to come back here after your class and I want you to tell me what you learned. And so I did that and we chatted about it. And before she died, she said to me, you've got to continue this work because there's such a need for advocates, for people to help navigate the system and just to be there. And so I kind of made that promise to her. So that was in 2018, and here we are five years later. And thanks to you and your inquiry and a psychic, I had the opportunity to learn about death doulas too and to recognize that that work aligned with work that I was already beginning to do in my coaching practice. And I think both of us recognize the need 
and the importance of showing up for others when they don't know how to show up for themselves in this space of end of life, not just based on what you learned or what I learned through our education as death doulas and not through just your experience with Jan, but also our other lived experiences with death in years prior. And so we both have had the experience of knowing how it can go not so good, how it can go exceptionally well. And then here we are now with Death Doula Network International, an organization that came to be because as we were beginning our training and we were stepping out into the work as death doulas, we were recognizing that there was not a lot of real connection in the death doula community, not a lot of support, not a lot of individual personal relationships getting built to help support new doulas to do this work and recognizing that we don't know everything. We will never know everything. And so how do we build community? And we had the opportunity for people asking us to build community. Remember that? Remember <laughs> how that happened? Well, yeah, they kept asking us. I've taken my training. Now, where do we go? And you and I, Karen, we both did some research into where do people go for further support. And we couldn't find any, at least in Canada. Um, so we said, build it. What's the worst that could happen? And unfortunately, or I mean, fortunately for us, COVID came along because Karen and I live about four hours apart from each other in different parts of, of the province. And had it not been from COVID, we wouldn't be able to do the work together that we do. Yeah. And how crazy was that as a result of COVID? We decided maybe we should try and do something online since we couldn't do anything in our communities anymore. And so in a matter of less than 10 days, probably, Joe, you mastered Zoom, and we put some promo material together, and we had just met the Death Deck ladies in February of 2020 and knew we were going to be the Canadian distributor. And so we stepped into the space with Seriously, Let's Talk. And so it only makes sense that Dishing with the Doula's podcast is really Seriously, Let's Talk. And so we did that, and that developed into community that we now call Death Doula Network International with over 200-plus members in various countries of all over the world building community connection and education and learning. And what we've also had the, ex the experience of enjoying ourselves is getting to know so many experts in the field of end-of-life, dying, planning, and even living and grief and all of these things, which is why it was so important for us to start the podcast is to bring these people together and share interviews and stories and expertise with anyone who's in this death caring space, whether you're an end-of-life professional, whether you're a family caregiver, or whether you simply want to learn more about how to do this better for yourself and the people that you care about. That's why we're here. And plus, you know, Karen, I, I think we're starting to be known a little bit about two people who talk about things that other people don't like to talk about. And I think people appreciate that. We did a series on medical assistance in dying. We had Dr. Karen Wyatt come on and talk to us about suicide loss. We've done all kinds of different topics that other people at that time hadn't, hadn't brought to the forefront. No, yeah. absolutely. We're not afraid or uncomfortable in stepping into the discomfort of difficult conversation or topics that other people maybe don't necessarily want to step into at times. Also, I think 
we're both pretty frank and honest and upfront. And so we speak our truth, we speak our mind. And being friends for over 20 plus years, the beauty in what we do together is we bring our natural quirky personalities and our sense of humor to some of the toughest conversations. And we know people have told us repeatedly from the beginning of 2020 that this is what they love best about us is how we show up in this space. And so we're going to continue to do that here on this podcast. What we know certainly from the way we show up in the space and the humor that we bring is that humor cracks us open and allows us to be more vulnerable in the discomfort of our emotions and be more honest about it in ways that don't feel so heavy and difficult. And I'm grateful for you, Joe, for being able to bring that sense of humor and that lightness to everything we do together. You know, there's uh, magic in the fact that you and I are so different and yet so similar at the same time. And so, yeah. I'm grateful for you, Karen, for putting up with me. (laughs) Sometimes, as we know, these things fall out of my mouth and I can't bring them back in. That's what makes it all so real. What's your favorite part of being a doula? My favorite part of being a doula in the experiences that I've had and the people that I've worked with is that uh, I find it all to be pretty magical and powerful. And I've never had an experience where it hasn't significantly eased the journey. I'll talk about my most difficult doula experience, which was with Moni and her son, Brayden, who was 30 years old with Hodgkin's lymphoma. And I I had the good grace of spending time with them for seven months before his death. And when I first met them, Moni in particular, the mom was distraught and fearful and angry and frustrated with so many things around the process of care, the fact that her son was dying. And having no clue what to do. She was done. She would say to me repeatedly, I'm done. And then seven months later, when Brayden did die, when he reached his end, she had the capacity to have a vigil team that she had created with people who were so in love with Brayden and so committed to that family and being present. They knew how to be present. They supported him all the way. And she did many things that she didn't think she'd have the capacity to do. I had the opportunity to be present and share some guidance and some insight and some resources and some perspectives that allowed all of them to take that journey and be just a little bit lighter in the end and a little grateful and so appreciative of the fact that she could engage with Braden in ways that she never thought she could. You know, it ended up that he stayed at home over six hours after he died. Uh, She helped to prepare and bathe his body, trim his beard wrap him in the clothing that he had chosen, all of these things that would not have happened had I not had the opportunity to let her know it was possible. It's creating possibility. Makes a difference. We just passed the third anniversary of his death, and it's still a struggle for her every single day. But it's easier than it would have been. And I say all the time, our role as a doula is to make it better than it might have been. So I think, Karen, that we should uh, maybe share a little bit of our grief experiences with people so they know what we've lost. So why don't you tell us? So I look back now and I say this all the time that I began training for this work when I was not quite 17 years old and my oldest brother died unexpectedly and tragically in the house fire. And at that age, as a teenager, I knew what was going on 
was not right. Our family disintegrated. We, our grief was put into the closet and we all pretended nothing had happened. And then we all tried to pretend that he didn't exist because that was easier. It was unhealthy. It was inappropriate. And even at 17 years of age, I knew it was not the way we should be dealing with death. Whether tragic or expected, not the way we should deal with death. And so, you know, that was my first training to be a death doula and to be in this death caring space. And then a few years later, I'm just at a high school and a friend of mine dies by suicide and also takes his child with him. And then throughout my life, there's been actually, quite honestly, more tragic death than, than expected or planned. Ultimately, in 2010, my dad died of cancer. And my dad, in those six months between first seeing the doc and his death, had an awakening that also changed so much in relation to how we could go forward after his death in revisiting his life and revisiting all of that had not been shared in the years since Ernie's, my brother's prior death. It was different, but I didn't quite get it at that time in 2010 until I really started doing the work of a death doula and being in this space and being able to be so grateful for what my dad could achieve on his own through that process. That's part of my grief story. How about yours? My grandpa died when I was about 15, I think I was. I was not allowed to go to the funeral at 15 years old. And at that time, is that stage of my life, my grandpa, to me, was very old. So it wasn't, and I didn't really know him that well. So it wasn't big, major loss and didn't really impact my life. And then a few years later, I was probably about 19 when my grandmother passed away and, and she was one of my best friends so that she died of cancer. But again, she was old. And while it was my first huge loss, it, it was the natural progression of life. And then in 2002, my son died unexpectedly at 12 years old. That had such a major impact on my life that we are able to get through the grief, but I'm never going to be the same as I was before. In some parts, that's good. And in other parts, not so much. And then, of course, my dad died in 2008. My mom died in 2014, which is the natural progression. Old people are supposed to die first. Yeah, the child death is, again, it's the thing that people don't like to talk about. So that's Part of the uniqueness that you and I bring, Karen, you've you've been through the tragic losses. You know, I've lost two friends, which really isn't the the right way. Like in my mind, old people die first, and then I guess friends do, and children shouldn't die before their parents. Yes, absolutely not. Yeah. So we are grief experienced. Yeah. We are. We are. Yeah. And I think grief experience enables us to also be much more compassionate, death to us, in recognizing that the work that we do, our intention and our wish is actually that people would secure the support of a death doula when they're healthy so that we can engage in these robust conversations around end-of-life planning and end-of-life wishes and getting real with each other 
about our vulnerabilities in life and saying the things that need to be said, not the things that we're going to regret being said, all of that stuff. But we also know the rawness that comes with watching our people in illness or losing our people tragically. There's a rawness there that I think we experience differently with tragic death than anticipated death. But I think it's helpful for us. It enables us to be more compassionate. And certainly for you, based on the loss of Andy, there's, in my mind, nothing bigger. And so the compassion and the extent of compassion, I think also too really draws you to that place of recognizing the real value for people with their people in this space and the importance of those connections and doing the things and supporting people however they need to be supported. When my mom died in 2014, it was tragic. It was very painful. It was a sad, sad experience. Had we had a death doula, it would have made the difference in the world. Because at that time, I didn't know anything about the death arena. My mom was on a, a ward in the hospital. And she was slowly deteriorating. And she developed a secondary infection that made her skin extremely painful whenever touched. But because she was in the hospital, in a ward, they had to take her vitals every hour because that was hospital policy. And so I would be down the hall 100 feet away and I could hear my mom screaming because they were taking her temperature or pulse or whatever because that was hospital policy. Ever offered palliative care, pain and symptom management. We were never offered hospice. And we were never offered a palliative bed where my mom could get out of this ward and into a nice, quiet environment. Because And we had no idea about asking about it. But a death doula would have made all the difference because they know of the services that are available. Or a death doula that's trained in patient advocacy can make such a significant difference in what that experience could have been. Could have limited your mom's suffering could have made it much easier for you and your siblings to be able to just show up and be present and not be concerned about what was or wasn't going on with her in the way of causing pain and discomfort. Mm -hmm. Changes everything. It can change everything. People will remember how, how other people die. That memory will be with me for the rest of my life. And so as a death doula, if I can make anybody's end smoother, more peaceful than what my mom had to go through than I've done my job. Yeah. How someone dies matters to the people that are behind. It matters. We're sometimes so quick to discount. I don't have to worry about that because I'm not going to be here anyways. I don't have to plan. I'm not going to be here anyways. Well, guess what? If you love even one person on this earth, how you die matters. Even if you don't love one person on this earth, guaranteed, there's at least one person that cares about you. And so still, how you die matters. Absolutely, it does. And if we can make that a journey less painful for those that are left behind, then that's, that's what we're here for. Educate. Knowledge reduces fear. The more people understand about the dying process, and I'm sure, Karen, that you can agree that your experiences with your losses have educated you in how to help others. And I think that this is something that 
oftentimes we get asked from our new doulas or emerging doulas is they have this discomfort and how do they show up for people? And I think what you and I know through our experiences is we just show up who we are. We show up with our scars and our wounds and our vulnerability. And we don't try to pretend to be anything different, either in this space, in the Dishing Doulas podcast, within our network, the Death Doula Network International, or in life. And there's a time and a place for sharing and recognizing that when you're doing this work, it's about the people you're in service to. But there also is a valuable connection when you can thread likeness and common experience together, when they know you've had something similar, when they know that you might kind of get this just a little bit. Yeah, you know, that makes the world of a difference. I supported my friend's daughter through her end of life. I used to babysit this girl. So she actually became a friend of mine and she was going through cancer treatments and had to come down to Kelowna. So I ended up going to the hospital and spending time with her. And she was appreciative of the fact that I had been through the child loss journey because she was really concerned about her mom. What's going to happen to my mom when I, when I die? And she was 35 at the time and the mother of two children. She was able to speak to me. She said, I can talk to you in a way that I can't my own mom because of your experiences with your son and how you've recovered from that. She goes, I know my mom's going to be okay, but I still worry about it. So these experiences are helping us to help others. And that, I think that's the important part. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the beauty in our podcast here is that because of the work that we do and the opportunity to have connected with so many people globally in this space, that we all have the ability to bring stories and resources and expertise here in a way that you don't get from a monthly workshop, but just you can just plug into us, have a laugh here or there, and gain maybe a new perspective or insight based on our guests that we'll be bringing to share here. And I think that that's kind of fabulous, is that one of the things, too, that we we hear repeatedly is that we bring this energy and this dynamic that's a little bit unique and different. And so we want you to come and listen to us. Take us on a walk. Take us on a drive as we share our guests and knowledge and expertise and have a little laugh too. Yeah. And if anybody has any topics that they would like us to explore, send us a note. We are always open to suggestions because sometimes we run out of them ourselves. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Sometimes we're speechless. Okay, maybe not. Maybe not. Sometimes one of us is speechless. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. which one? The shy one. Shy one, speechless. Yeah. Anyways, we invite you on the journey with us through this Dishing Doulas podcast. We can't wait to share everything we've got lined up for you and who knows what's to come. And always feel free to drop us a note because we'd love to hear from you. We want you to be on this journey with us and we're excited to share it with you. We'll be hearing a new podcast every two weeks. Be sure to share what we're up to, share our, our, all of the work that we're up to with others if you think it's valuable. And we always say, if you like what we do, tell other people. If you don't like what we do, please tell us because we listen to those, that feedback and those comments. I like how you say, tell us, because usually you say, tell me. I do usually say that. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So we'll be dropping a new podcast every two weeks. And we've already got a few episodes in the bank for you. So check us out. You'll find us on the podcast page on ddnint.com. And you can listen to us on your favorite platform. Be sure to catch the next episode of the Dishing Doulas podcast and more at www.ddnint.com. And be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. You can send any questions or comments to admin at ddnint.com and connect with us at Death Doula Network International on both Facebook and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Dishing Doulas podcast, where we're changing the world's approach to death and dying one conversation at a time.